Hi, Wine Delusters. In this episode, I'm speaking with a wine educator, which is just one hat that this very impressive lady wears. Welcome to the Wine Delust podcast. My name's Janine. In this season, I'm speaking to a dozen very impressive women that work in the wine and broader hospitality and tourism industry. Each episode will focus on one particular job and we'll learn what skills you need, the best parts of the work and the most challenging parts. So pour yourself a glass and let's get started. Today's episode is on being a wine educator. Emma Shaw started her own introductory wine appreciation business back in 2019. It's called Picnic. But as you'll hear, this is just one of the many wine-related things that she does. Not only is Emma super accomplished, but she's very down-to-earth, approachable, and a champion for diversity and flexible work. So this chat covers lots of things that she's doing and how she made the massive change from being a public servant into the wine industry. And Emma makes you feel that anyone can make the leap into a new career if they put their mind to it and they're willing to put in the work. Welcome, Emma. Emma wears a lot of very impressive hats, so I'm very thrilled to have you here today, Emma. Thank you, thank you. You're an assistant winemaker at Collector Wines. You're a wine educator with your own business picnic. You're a documentary maker. (laughs) You were a judge recently at the Canberra Regions Wine Show. And now I see that you write reviews published in the Gourmet Traveller Wine Magazine. So (laughs) you're a very impressive list there. Oh, I like to get involved in different projects and stuff. I have to clarify, I'm not technically an assistant winemaker. Or just because I feel like I shouldn't claim that, you know. So I'm I'm a wine student, so I'm still studying winemaking, so I haven't graduated yet. And, um, yeah, I am working with Alex, the winemaker. Technically, my role is general manager, and I'm just... At the winery? Yeah. yeah. Oh, right, because I was yeah. going to say, when you meet yeah. someone new, mm. how do you introduce yourself? How do I introduce <laughs> Good question, good question. Yeah, uh, depends on the context, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, if it's in the wine industry, I'd introduce myself as from Collector Wines. Um, if it's in Canberra, yeah, I'd say Emma of Picnic. You know, I run wine appreciation classes and things like that. If it's at preschool, raise <laughs> mum, you know, <laughs> depends. That's true, that's yeah. true. I know that you were a public servant, as yes. many of us in Canberra yes. sort of do. Yeah. Um, so how did you get yeah. into the winemaking? So tell us about that. The old stomping ground. Yeah. Uh, so I worked in the public service for 10 years and loved it. I really loved it. So I wasn't one of those people who wanted to desperately escape or anything. I really... Um, yeah, had the opportunity, mainly working in social policy, to do things that, you know, you saw made a difference in people's lives. Like, mm. you, you would, you, you know that as well, Janine. And it's just, it's rewarding, right? Um, but then I just felt like I, that's not something I want to do for the rest of my life because I'd, I'd gone into it um, from uni. So I thought, oh, there's other things out here as well. And um, I'd always had a dream of owning my own vineyard. Like, oh. you know, like all those romantic people yeah. out there. You think, oh, it'd be lovely to have a vineyard one day. And, you know, not really thinking about all the hard work involved and all the expense. Just the, you know, the dream and the, the, the benefits of it all. And um, when I had my kids, that's really like the catalyst for thinking, well, I should, you know, make this happen now, you know, I want to kind of seize the day. So I used my time during mat leave with my second kid, um, Rosalie, 
to start studying winemaking. And so that's that's an ongoing process. I'm almost finished, but, you know, with COVID and everything, it's, and it's taken. And, and with yeah. kids, yeah, juggling everything. It's and, and you're obviously working, longer. so you're studying part-time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the course is only offered part-time anyway, but um, it's definitely taking longer than any of my other degrees. But that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's punishment. Punishment. Um, yeah. And so I just thought, oh, well, I'll dip my toe in the water. And then while I was on my leave I thought oh I've got you know seven months off I should make the most of it which is a stupid thing to think um, and I thought oh well I'll do vintage and I'll I'll ask at Collector Wines based in Canberra is um, uh, there's so many beautiful wineries mm. in Canberra but you know when I'd gone to the cellar door I'd tasted the wines and I thought every single wine in this lineup is stunning you know oh. that consistency is what I really loved and then I fell in love with um, the Tiger Tiger Chardonnay mm. and um, like old vintages of it. And I, I thought, wow, this is stunning. This is exactly what I want in a wine. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll shoot for the stars and I'll see if I can work vintage there. You know, I thought it was, that was, I, I thought I'd just get a, a no, but I asked anyway. And Alex, the winemaker, said, sure, come on board. And he very, very generously took on a breastfeeding mum part-time during vintage and I worked my first vintage at Collector Wines. So what, when you say you worked vintage, what sort of work did you do? I was a cellar hand. So right. I cleaned I cleaned buckets mainly, cleaned yeah. the Nally bins, you know, those big square bins yep, where the grapes yep. come in, cleaned the tanks, cleaned the crush pad, which is like the concrete floor. Wow. So lots of cleaning. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't <laughs> yeah. so much picking the grapes because they're always looking for volunteers to do that, aren't they, a lot of the wineries around? yeah depending on how the vineyards run, you might get crews in to do it and stuff like that. So it was mainly in the winery, yeah, and then the associated, you know, wine tasks, pumping wine into barrel, you know, looking after the wines during ferment, um, taking samples. Yeah. You'd started studying at this time and then you... I had, yes. Wow. Yeah. So I think that's such a big leap to go straight into a winemaking degree. Like, had you done, like, the Wine and Spirits Education Trust courses or anything first? Nope. No. Oh, really? <laughs> And I knew I was more interested in the technical side as well. So I'd done a couple of short classes, like nothing like Wine Spirits Education Trust like you've done, but, you know, just like one-day courses and stuff with mm. Rob Geddes. And when I was kind of exploring, and this is the lovely thing about the Canberra wine community, Brian, who used to own McKellaridge Wines, I just got chatting to him at his cellar door one day. He said, come out and spend the day with me and help me. So I just, this, this must have been 2016 before I started studying, um, so I thought, oh, yeah, I'll just go out and, you know, volunteer my wow. my labour for a day. And I just had an absolute ball. I loved every moment of it. And I came home and thought, okay, I'm going to enroll in in some kind of formal study. Oh, my gosh, study. after one day. That's yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> it was obviously very... Um, I commit. <laughs> yeah, it, um, but it obviously really showed you something that you were interested in. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Or cemented an idea that you had. Yeah. So, yeah. so if people are looking to get into that... That's the number one thing, isn't it? Just to get out and ask and for... Yeah. Because people sound like they're very interested and they all often need staff to do yep. things. Yeah, absolutely. And people are very, very generous with their time and knowledge, I've found. Um, people are always happy to share information, advice, equipment, you know, if it's needed. It's it's a beautiful industry and I love that kind of collaboration and, and reciprocity and, and generosity, you know. It makes you want to makes you a better person just by being part of it, that kind of stuff. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. And do you think that's across the wine industry? It's not Canberra specific. No, no, definitely. I think in general, 
the wine industry is just a microcosm of society, right? So, you know, there's, you know, you have your slightly difficult people or your slightly prickly people just as you would, you know, in the public service or anywhere else. But I do think there's something beautiful about the wine industry in that because a lot of people do it for the love of it. Mm. You, you know, no one's going to make a, a quick buck in the wine industry and, and it's, not a, it's not a place where lots of people earn massive amounts of money. So people are really in it for the love of it, the love of the vines, the love of the wine. And so I think you see that, that love, yeah, reflected in the way people interact with each other, which is, is really beautiful. Yeah, because it is that real... Um agricultural job yeah. isn't it like yeah and I think that <laughs> yep. on the surface it can be quite romantic but yep. it's yeah. a lot of hard work just hard work yep and I think the closer you get to the actual farming the more kind of salt of the earth people you get you know mm. yeah, yeah that's true so tell me what do you think the best part of your job so because mm. you're sort of general manager you're learning the wine so you are involved a bit with the wine making yeah, absolutely and you've yep. had a few yeah. of your own I saw experimental on your Insta- yeah, and, and, um, yeah on your insta Oh, yeah, Piquette. Piquette? Yeah, yeah. So every vintage I try and, like, make the most of the season because it only comes around once a year, right? So I try and just make a wine for myself, for my own learning. So a a couple of times I've done experiments where I've just made a wine traditionally and I've kept the same. I've then halved it and kept one portion on skins for longer just to really Mm. feel for myself the, the effect of the longer skin contact. So, you know, you learn things in theory, and you can taste a finished wine, you know, at a cellar door or, you know, when you're opening a bottle anytime. But sometimes I just learn by doing it myself, you know. So sometimes I just want to do those things. And Piquette really interested me because it's a traditional French harvest drink. And so it hasn't got a great reputation in France, actually. It's a, What the harvest workers would do is... Um, get the mark which is basically the skins and the stalks of the grapes once they've been crushed add a bit of honey or sugar to it to help um, a ferment add some water to it and then re-ferment the whole thing and you get a little bit more extraction of flavor and and color from from the skins um, not as much as in a proper wine because either the wine's been fermented already or if it's a whole bunch it's it's just been pressed and the juice has been pressed out so it makes a really light style wine, like 6-7% alcohol, really refreshing. And then like a pet nat, you can bottle it as it's still fermenting so that the last little bit ferments in the bottle and you keep the bubbles yeah. inside. And I just really, I liked the concept of that because I thought people are interested in exploring drinks, mm. um, but we're really, you know, I think we need to be health conscious and people are, you know, really wanting to go okay we don't want a 15 percent alcohol yeah, wine all the yeah. time and I think this is a really nice and then I loved the sustainable element of reusing you know what's essentially waste yeah I was just thinking and, the sustainability. Yeah, yeah yeah so it had all these different elements in it and I was like oh this is kind of fun so I I made it and yeah I was quite I was fairly happy with it if I did it again there'd be a couple of different technical things that I would refine but I was, yeah, generally pretty happy with it. That's so cool. Yeah. When will we see it? My own wines. Yeah. Oh. I would love to make my own <clears throat> wines one day. But I still feel like I've got so much to learn, you know. I don't know if that's the... Probably part of it is that women confidence thing, mm. you know. Like I've, I see other people just going for it. But then part of it is probably me wanting to do it well. I, I don't really want to start off and then 
muddle my way through for a little bit. I think I'd really like to have a really refine my concepts, refine the vision, and then just execute on that really well. So you've got beautiful rhymes. I can see you um, as a bit of a perfectionist. I think a lot of things you do, you seem to execute it very well. Oh, it doesn't feel like it, but thank you very much. <laughs> Well, tell me some of the other best parts of your job, because you mm. were recently in Singapore. Yes, that was enormous fun. Yeah. Was that through Picnic? So through my wine appreciation classes business. And yeah, Visit Canberra asked me to help host a lunch in Singapore, focused on Canberra wines and Canberra wine regions. Picnic is really about the Canberra region and yeah. all, of the, all of the wineries and um, helping people appreciate what the region's about, what we do so well, giving people with the wine appreciation, giving some people some tools, you know, to be able to feel confident with wine and confident tasting and assessing and knowing what they like and what they want to buy and everything like that. Yeah, Visit Canberra asked me to help host this lunch um, and that was incredible it was really fun like I mean it's a obviously a huge perk and I've never been to Singapore before so that was fun to go there and and visit um and then it was really lovely to kind of help select wines that kind of showcase the Canberra region and and all the things we do well but then paired with probably a more Asian inspired Mm. menu it was kind of Asian western menu but you know one of my things is I really wish that in Australian culture, we paired wines with Asian or Asian fusion a lot better. Indigenous foods as well. Wow. You know, yeah. I think there's so much to explore there. And we've just got that traditional white wines, white meat, red wines, red meat. And yeah. it's all very heavy sauce based stuff. Like there's so, and that's not how we eat really in, in Australia. Yeah. So. Yeah. And um, the delegates at the lunch really enjoyed it. I think learned a lot more about the wine region. So people are always surprised. Actually, this is a wine region with yes. 80 plus wineries. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but, but they are here. And so, and the wines that we are producing are world class wines. And so it was lovely to be able to kind of show that to people. How excellent. So, yeah. can you tell us a bit more about Picnic and how, how did mm. you start that off? What gave Picnic. you the idea yeah. for that? <laughs> so, I've been working at Collector for a little bit. So, I've done a couple of different jobs at Collector Wines, you know, starting off as seller hand, as I mentioned, um, lab manager, marketing. And um, in some of my marketing roles, I'd, you know, just run tastings. At, and I would always get into these chats with people, particularly young women, actually, although it's really applicable to everyone. And, and you know, I'd really get this sense that people weren't confident with wine or felt, you know, they're waiting to be told from me what to appreciate about the wine mm. and they weren't weren't really confident in making their own judgment or own assessment um, of the wine and I would just have these amazing chats with with these people you know talking about well this is what acid feels like in your mouth and this is what I feel it, and this is where I feel it in my mouth and these are the things I notice and this is how it enhances you know or adds another element to the wine and like quite interesting chats like that and um, after I'd had a couple of these I thought there's a real market for a class based around this in Canberra and then at the same time I was having these chats with all these people um, and they were like oh I had no idea Canberra had so many wineries or that they were so good yeah I mean you would see that all the time with with your events and so I just thought there's there's an opportunity here to create a class that's um, really about introducing people to wine appreciation and how to appreciate wine and then also introducing them to the Canberra wine region. 
So I kind of, I chucked in everything that I wanted to know when I was, mm. you know, starting to explore back in the day and, and I've just gone from there. So that's, that's Picnic. And occasionally I do like collaborations as with Visit Canberra. Um, but the the main um, part of picnic is just a monthly class that I do. Great, right. yeah, so and it's like on a Saturday people. afternoon. Yeah, usually, yeah, perfect yeah. timing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good yeah. start to the weekend. <laughs> yeah. So when you were talking about some of the jobs that you've done at Collector, what's mm. a lab manager? Oh yeah, um, just managing the lab. So you know, doing all the laboratory work associated with the wines. So as we as we make the wines we test them along their kind of their their wine journey so as the grapes come in we'll perform analyses on the grape juice mm. uh, and then as the wines go through ferment we'll be monitoring that usually usually by the sugar levels uh, because you know yeast convert sugars to alcohol so yeah. as the sugars go down we know the yeast is doing their work we know the alcohol is going up we'll monitor temperature too because that's um, plays a part in fermentation and then after that primary ferment is finished we'll be monitoring you know a secondary ferment if it's going through that secondary malolactic ferment you know acids anything else that we might want to measure so wow just performing all of those different tests yeah that's fantastic that's yeah. I think um you're opening my eyes like we know winemaker and they do mm. lots of different roles but yeah. I guess working part-time but also like there's so many different little mm. not little but like different roles that you can do yeah. within the, within the winery yeah so. so many different aspects to to winemaking yeah, yeah. that's yeah. great so you did a documentary about the Canberra wine region yeah. can you tell us like I mean you're obviously very passionate about the region so yeah. how did you get the idea to do this is this because you wanted to, you know, fly the flag for Canberra region more broadly? Or? Yep. I, yeah, that's that's absolutely it, yeah. And I think I wanted to make make a point in a way, make a very, very gentle point. Um, one, one, give people exposure to the region and a little bit more information about it. But then two, make the point that we've got a depth of winemaking experience mm. and expertise here. So sometimes I think particularly if people aren't familiar with the wine industry or they're just just starting to dip their toe into oh Canberra Canberra has wines you know they might think you know we're a very small region or something like that and compared to other wine regions we most definitely are but there's a depth depth of wine making experience in particular and experience with you know our land here as well so I'm thinking particularly of Clonicilla so Tim Kirk mm-hmm. um, Clonicilla has been you know at, at their site for 50 years um, 51 years now yeah, actually yeah. yeah um helm for just under they must be yeah, at like 49 yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so you know the first vineyards have in in the Canberra region have 50 years so we're learning about the region and the sites and then we've you know had incredible winemakers come from around the world in the case of Celine yeah. um, at Eden Road Celine Rousseau Alex Mackay who my boss at Collector Wines who's worked at you know um across different um South Australian wine regions and then coming back to Canberra so around Australia and also around the world in Italy and California and you know all of that knowledge and expertise Mm -hmm. is being applied to the wines that we're making here and that's why you know that's one of the fundamental reasons why they're so good I also interviewed Nico Leary and um, Fiona Holohan at Yar because I think you know they're both producing consistently excellent wines so I kind of wanted to delve into probably a little bit more of the technical side in terms of well, what do you know about our region, our soils, and how that influences the wines mm. that you're making and then what do you change or adapt or modify or take a take an interest in, in the winemaking process to really reflect 
um, where those wines have been grown. So kind of wanted to set a bit of a benchmark, I guess, in terms of these are um, consistently excellent wines and, and delve into why. Yeah, and it's only 12 minutes long, so yeah, I recommend very everyone sure. go and check it out. It's, um, if you don't know about Canberra Wine Region, it's a really it could great have gone thing. for hours. <laughs> now, if you want to speak to young women coming into the wine industry, mm-hmm. what, what would you advise oh, them? And also, like, what, was there anything that you'd like to know before you jumped in? Or Yeah, good question. I mean, I think from what I hear from yeah. yourself and um, other people I've spoken to is, Things don't get done unless you make a decision and you actually act on that decision. We all um, wait for the perfect time or till we have our studies or something. But um, the fact that you went and asked if you could help out and you got, you know, you were helped out one day and you joined up the the diploma the next day. And then you, you know, went to collector and you did Mm -hmm. a lot of cleaning, but then Mm. now you've been with them for a few Mm. years. Yeah. Like, so I think that's one big yeah. thing to just no, make abs- sure you absolutely just do yeah. it if you want to do it that, but that's a really good point and and have the confidence and back yourself I guess yeah and 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 just sign up and go for it um and then I think probably I would I would add to that um connect with other people across the industry especially other other women it, you know it can be or it has traditionally been more male dominated mm. and um that's just a function of our society it is changing, but the last recorded stats were something like you know one in ten of one one in ten winemakers in Australia is female, which yeah, is still like ten percent outrageous, yeah. outrageous. Mm. And that's to say nothing about you know broader diversity in the winemaking community because you know mm. we don't have heaps of diversity at all. And I'm I, I just believe so strongly that you get better wines when you have more diversity, when you have a diverse team, when you've got input from you know just different perspectives or different angles you get better wines and so yeah I just think if you connect with people that 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 um, gives you a bit of a footing in the industry and then as we were mentioning before like that collaboration element people were happy to help you out and then it does mean that you know if you do you know if you are in a situation that um, uh, you know can be a bit sexist or um, you know a bit exclusive or something like that it means you've got networks and resources Mm. to draw on I mean, my my experiences in the wine industry have been largely positive. And I think in a small, like a boutique winery, um, like most of the wineries in Canberra Mm. are, there's beautiful um, benefits in that they're flexible workplaces, like, and you can can kind of arrange things as you want. Um, I've seen in the large, you know, huge corporate wineries, so Pernod Ricard, et cetera, et cetera, because they're so big, they've got their own HR department, you can have those great policies and structures that make you know that support diversity and inclusion there's a way to go the rest for the rest of the industry I guess but yeah put yourself out there and collaborate I guess to sum up (laughs) oh that's good and so how do you think you make those connections like do you because you do you visit the wineries and then meet people or you connect through social media or just both both I guess yep Um, it's a small industry so I guess you do you see each other around like is there sort of yeah, at seminars or workshops. Yeah, absolutely. Um, study has been fantastic for me. Yeah. So through through that, I've met you know um, winemakers, student winemakers um, from across Australia. So I've got friends in Western oh. Australia, friends in the Mornington, 
Yarra, South Australia. So that's that's lovely as well. And to get a, a sense a sense mm. check of so you're not so absorbed <clears throat> in your own day to day. You can kind of get a sense of what's happening across the Australian industry. You were recently a judge for the Canberra and Regions Wine Show. Yeah, I was approached to do it. So as an associate judge, so the way the wine shows work is that you have a, a chair of the show and then um, yeah, at, the, at the Canberra region there's two panels so that you'll have uh, two judges on each panel and then two associate judges on each panel. And so I guess the theory with associate judges is that um, you're people in the industry who have something to contribute and also something to learn. So you're, you're there to learn from the more experienced judges, um, which is fantastic, and also, you know, offer, offer your opinions and assessments. The, technically, if it comes down to a dead heat or a draw or something, the judges' scores will be counted and not the associates, you know, just as a reflection of experience. Uh, so you must so, yeah. have to have an amazing palate to... When did you realise yeah. you had such a good palate and um, <laughs> smell and things like that? Because I think that that's what a winemaker must need and yes. some of the jobs that you've yes. had, and especially yeah. the judging and, yeah. and things. You do, you do need a good palate, but my my genuine belief is that it's just a skill like any other that you develop. So I I think the critical thing that I do is that I'm honest with myself. So if I don't get a character, I, I don't get something, I don't pretend I, yeah. I'm getting it. Yeah. Or, you know, if someone says, oh, there's something in here, you know, I don't try and convince myself if I can't see it. And so um, especially when I was first starting off and trying to learn about wine, I would be like, oh, okay. And there are, you know, people, you know, who will make comments and I hugely respect their judgment. But at the same time, if I don't see the character that they're mentioning, I'm not going to, I'll try and find it, but I need, I need to encode it in my own memory. I can't just, you know, convince myself that somehow it's there. So you have to be honest with yourself and then, and then you start to know your own palate, I think. Mm. Um, And then honestly, it's just, I don't think there's an innate kind of brilliance or anything about it I actually just think it's trying to notice as much as you can and taste widely so Jancis Robinson talks about context I love Jancis by the way but yeah with developing your palate and learning I think context is great so if you taste 100 Rieslings you you will get to know you know what a great Riesling is you know what a slightly different one is and you'll know that by comparison right and um, whereas if you're just having a Riesling with dinner, you can probably appreciate that beautiful wine with dinner, but it's in that moment and it's just by itself. And so I find comparison really helpful in learning and encoding, you know, what, what what's happening in the wine there. So honestly, it's, I I think I've got an okay palate. I think I've got heaps to learn as well. And so with, with those, with judging, for example, you know, there were so many things I picked up from the other judges. Um, I think I made some good contributions as well, which is always a nice feeling. But, yeah, so much I learned from the um, others. When you said about tasting widely, do you think mm. also you need to taste lots of other foods as well? Because yeah. I think um, the one thing um, which I think is so great from what I see with you um, is you've got the vocabulary to put around the, the, the tastes as well. Mm. And I think that's mm. the hardest thing that people find is that yeah. they recognise a taste but they cannot think what it is. Yeah. And yep, 100%, 100%. And what I say in my classes is, oh, and that's where I think, you know, Asian, Asian food, mm. um, Indigenous flavours, I'd love to see a lot more of that vocabulary in the way we talk about wine yeah. um, and food and wine pairings as well. But, yeah, what I say in my classes is it, it's all about 
your audience. So if, you know, you and I are sitting down to dinner, we can just appreciate a wine and we can talk about it however we want, yeah. right? Because yeah. we're just enjoying it with the food and the company. If you're in the, if you're wanting to communicate to other people who love wine or if you're in an industry setting such as a wine show, it, there's just a vocab that you use and it's just like learning another language. You just want to be making sure you're using the same, if you're trying to describe a character, you can use a you know, a conventional word because you know that other people will understand exactly what you're referring to there. So it's just it's just different different words. Yeah. Um, one of the things I picked up from the show last week was the word hollow, and um, the, this judge used it a couple of times. And you know, I was describing those same wines as thin. You know, they they lasted a long time on the palate, um, and that was you know, probably um, from the effect of acid in there, but there wasn't much flavour on the palate. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, I was calling them a little bit thin, um, um, less complex, needed more flavour, and he said hollow, and I was like, excellent, I am going to take that word and I'm going to use it in future. So just things like that. So, Emma, what's in the pipeline for you, do you think? Well, I always have a couple of, like, blue sky things, things in, um, you know, that I'm tossing over. Um, I'm I'm fairly focused on collector at the moment. Um, you know, we've um, gone through a little bit of change recently, so I'm focused on bedding that down and getting a good team and a, a solid a solid team that you know works really well together that communicates. And um, my hope is wants to stay uh, with the team for you know several years and see us grow. So I'm really focused on that. When you're looking for your team, what sort of characteristics or what sort of skills are you looking for in the people that you're recruiting? Attitudes, mainly, because I think skills can be taught and technical knowledge can be learnt. And if you're going through vintage and working long hours, doing lots of physical work with people, you want someone who's pleasant to be around, basically. You want someone with a positive attitude and and a can-do attitude as well. You know, I'm not going to be Pollyanna, but it is, you know... There, there can be challenges and you, you just have to think creatively and, you know, develop solutions in the winery, whether it's, ah, some grapes have arrived unexpectedly or there's more tons than, you know, we thought were arriving. And, you know, you need a positive attitude um, to um, and a can-do attitude to kind of come up with the solutions. So they're the main things um, that, that I want. And then I think probably the other thing is no ego because... You know, I have so occasionally worked in various different roles um, with people who have an ego, and it just gets in the way of good collaboration mm. and then getting stuff done. Um, send Emma an email, or <laughs> yes, please do, please do. Um, we're growing, growing really quickly, and it's really fun to be involved in. With Picnic, I'm wanting to expand what I offer, so I'm doing the monthly wine appreciation classes. Um, I'd love to kind of add an extra element to that if I can, like is it, a, you know, more deep dives, like something to extend yeah. people once they've um, come along and, and done a class. Is it a deep dive into Riesling or something or a deep dive into Shiraz? Yeah, great. But, yeah, I, all ideas at the moment. And um, so your Not yet reality. <laughs> the original idea of having a vineyard one day, would you like to do that down the track? Oh, 100%. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, a mid-term, that's a mid-term goal because that requires funds. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah. that's, I'm, I'm slowly <clears throat> working on that, but that's something that takes a and few more years. And um, 
Any advice for like working mums? Like, as well, you were mm. saying, like the flexible work arrangements has yep. been really important in that because you've got you've got um, two little yep. kids, like primary school and, yep. and preschool. Yep. Um, so that's yeah. quite the juggle. So it is, yeah. Flexible work arrangements, something I'm so passionate about, especially in the wine industry, because I think some of the, particularly the older cohort, don't have the vision to see how you can make flexible work work. Yeah, you know. Um, whereas I know from the pub, you know, my time managing people at, uh, in the public service, you absolutely can make it work. Mm. You just need a um, a manager who's invested in making it work. And then there are, you know, multiple options available to you and it requires, you know, communication and collaboration on both sides, but you absolutely can make it work. And there's some people who just think, oh, no, you can't make it work with vintage and harvest. And you absolutely can. You just need to be a bit creative. Oh, good. Um, so, yeah, fle- flexible work. Um, and then I think, I mean, you did ask, I, I think you kind of said, how do you manage it all? And um, <laughs> the answer is I don't. Oh. <laughs> I definitely don't. Like at any one time there's something, there's one ball that's being dropped, you know. Um, so at the moment, yeah. at the moment, like I have not done any gardening. The garden is a mess. The the grass is up to the knees, you know, type thing. And that's that's the ball that's being dropped at the moment, as as well as many other things. So yeah, as long as your kids are happy and healthy, and you're you know mainly keeping your head above water, I think that's and you've that's got to a good like thing. What you're doing, I guess, don't you? To, yeah. Um, yeah. To, to keep it all. That's going. a good point. Yes. Yeah. yeah you got to love what you do. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's it. I thank you so much for your oh, time. Well, thank you so much, no, Janine. Thank you. For everything discussed today, please check the show notes or head over to wanderlust.com.au and also a big thank you to the ACT Government Office for Women for supporting this series. Thank you so much for listening. You can subscribe now to get each episode as they drop. You can also check out this podcast on YouTube and see pictures of the region and the people I've spoken to. Go to winderlust.com.au, that's W-I-N-E-D-E-R-L-U-S-T.com.au for everything discussed today. You can also subscribe to my newsletter to hear all about my upcoming events and other news. Till next time, happy wine travels.